places here. First of all, to Genesis chapter 12 and then over to Galatians chapter 3. Genesis 12 and Galatians 3. And before we read together, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. And I pray that your Holy Spirit now would open your word to us. Uh, that we might understand it and also learn how to live it out. I pray that your spirit would rest upon me uh, to bring your word today to your people, to the glory of your son, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We love you, we honor you, and we thank you that we can gather in this place uh, to hear your word together, to worship you, not only in singing songs, but also in listening to your word and responding to it with obedience and surrender. Uh, We love you and thank you for all of this. And we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And you think you get old and your life is over? Here's Abram at 75, starting out. And Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, And all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going going toward the Negev. And then over to Paul's letter to the church in Galatia. We pick up with verse 7. Read down to verse 14. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and then do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Well, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. 
Well, we've embarked on this exploration. Whoops, I almost fell over. We've embarked on this exploration of blessing. And remember, our theme verse is that by the blessing of the righteous, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. Proverbs 11.11. By the blessing of the righteous, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. There is a power to blessing. We have as Christians a power to bless and a calling to bless, and that's what we found out last week. And our power to bless and our calling to bless will make all the difference in our city, in our homes, uh, in our churches, and so on and so on and so on. But we need to understand how this idea of blessing works. Over the years, I've talked to many, many people, and I have found that most Christians that I talk to are more concerned about cursing than blessing. And they're more concerned about cursing in two ways, frankly. Sometimes we spend a lot of time cursing. And we curse as we criticize. We curse as we cut down. We curse as we say, oh, this is bad and that's bad and the sermon's bad and and all of this. As we pronounce these things, it's actually a form of cursing. Uh, And we do that. And another way that we tend to be concerned about cursing is we're concerned about the cursing that the unrighteous can bring to us. I've talked with many Christians from places, say, say in Africa or in Asia particularly, but also South America and the States, actually, who have said, oh, I, I'm concerned. I think I'm under a curse. Uh, so-and-so is a witch, and they've cursed me. Uh, this person has spoken against me, and they've cursed me. Uh, or if we don't do something, we'll be cursed Uh, And they pick up a little bit on this idea that Paul was talking about that, you know, cursed is anyone who does not obey the law. And uh, and so they're concerned about being cursed. And they don't realize that the power of blessing is greater than the power of cursing. And that the, the power of God to bless us is always greater than the power of the devil to curse us. We don't have to be afraid of the curse of the devil because Christ became a curse for us. So we're not under the curse of the law, but not only we're not under the curse of the law, we're not under any other curse, because Christ became a curse for us in dying on the tree. And we, we need to embrace that, and we need to understand that, but the best way to grab a hold of this is not to focus on cursing and how to overcome it, but actually to focus on blessing understanding what it is, understanding our calling to bless, understanding where that comes from, understanding how God works in that, and also understanding what it means to live a blessed life. Because I think most everybody I talk to wants to have a blessed life or a blessed life. But oftentimes we don't know what it means. We don't know what that that means we, we, we think of it in, in terms of often Western materialistic ways or some other kind of way that's outside the scripture. And that's what we're looking at here. And so to understand the foundation of blessing for us as the people of God, because that is our calling, that is what God has placed on us, we need to know where that comes from. And it comes right here in Genesis chapter 12. Now, many of us have, have heard this, we've read this, uh, and the things we tend to focus on, uh, God says to Abram, you know, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And it's very interesting how many times I've heard people quote, I will bless those who, who bless you, 
and curse those who don't. And they've said, and, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. We quote all of that, and all of that's true. It's right to quote, but it's always interesting to me what we leave out. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. God is blessing, he says, Abraham, uh, Abram at that time, he wasn't renamed yet. He says, Abram, go, leave the place of familiarity, leave the place where you're comfortable, leave the place where you have your business and where you've had all this success and everything, and I want you to go to a land that I'm going to show you because my intention is to bless you, to multiply you, to make your name great for the purpose that I want you to be a blessing. And through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Now we know that ultimately that promise is referring to Jesus. And we can't undermine that. That is absolutely true. The blessing that comes through Abraham and his seed is Jesus. And it's in Jesus that all the nations are blessed. He is the highest blessing, and without knowing Jesus, without being in relationship with Jesus Christ, you really cannot know the blessed life. You really cannot experience God's blessing in all of its fullness. The highest expression is in Jesus, but that wasn't the limit of it. God had intended through Abraham to bless people in a diversity of ways. He wanted to bless the nations in a number of different ways, the highest, fullest expression of which was Jesus, but that's not the limit. And so God decides to bless Abram so that he will be a blessing. And that's the foundation of blessing. God blesses so that we will be a blessing. And that principle works throughout our whole understanding of blessing. In this idea, blessing comes from God and blessing is given by God so that those who are blessed can go and in turn bless other people. Now notice what Abraham had to do though. Two things that really stand out in this text that in a sense put him, I don't want to say it activated the blessing because that sounds like it was a work by Abraham. You know, and I've heard that and we don't say he's activated the blessing Uh, not that there's no work that's involved here it was by faith out of faith responding to the grace of God expressed in this because it's all totally by grace you know why did God pick Abram we don't know it's just by his grace it really echoes what Paul would say later we are saved by grace through faith how was Abram saved he was saved by grace through faith And his faith even wasn't a work that he did. It was a gift from God. But Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So here's Abram. And what does he do to this pronouncement? He responds to it in faith. And as he responds to it, you notice he does two things. And these things, again, are not works. They don't activate the blessing. They don't make him more blessed. They don't give him more favor with God. But it's essential that he walks in these two things. The two things are, first, he obeys. 
He does what God tells him to do. He uproots his whole family. He uproots his, his job, his business, his livelihood, and everything. And he just starts out and says, okay, guys, let's go. God's called us to go this way. And he obeys and he goes. And as he obeys, God starts to bless him. And the way God blesses him He continues the prosperity, but he also blesses him with greater revelation. You notice as he's going along, as he's walking in obedience, the Lord begins to speak more things to him about the plans that he has. And as we continue, if you go down uh, further on into Genesis, you learn he gets a name change and all kinds of things begin to happen because he walks in obedience to what God has said. Now, the second thing you notice that really is striking and that's why we went on and read into the passage is because many people stop at verse 3. But if you stop at verse 3, you don't see Abram's response of faith. And the second thing that, that Abram does, he builds altars to the Lord. Now, an altar served two very, very important functions. Number one, it was a place of worship. It was a place to say, okay, I want to honor God and I want to demonstrate that God is good, God is great, He's the source of blessing, He is the one true living God, and I want to do that by setting up this place of worship, this place of altar. But secondly, and just as importantly, an altar was a place of remembrance. Altars were set up so that as people walked through the land, they would see this altar and they'd say, okay, what's that all about? Well, what that is about, it's about this is how God blessed and it's set up to honor God. Abram, whenever he would come back through that area, he would see that altar and he would remember what God said. He would remember what God did. He would remember that God is a God of blessing. Even when things were difficult, altars enabled him to remember. Future generations would see the altar as long as it wasn't broken down and they would remember and they would say, okay, this is a place of blessing. This is a place where God has chosen to bless and we remember that and we remember that we, God has chosen to bless so that we will be a blessing. And so as Abram walked in faith, he walked in obedience. He walked in a way that acknowledged God and remembered what he did. And the promise of God to bless Abram and consequently make Abram a blessing began to come to pass. And he was able to bless. He blessed Lot. He blessed the places where he was at. Uh, he blessed many, many people in his lifetime. And in his, in his lifetime, it was limited. It, it kept continuing on. Because the blessing that Abram received was not only for himself, it was for the, the next generations. Because that was his calling. That was the promise of God to bless And the promise of God was to bless him so that he could become a blessing. And I say, okay, that's great. It's Old Testament stuff. I get that. But does that really apply to us as believers? And that's where Paul comes in. Paul says, hey, if you are a person of faith, if you, in our language, we'd say, if you have faith that Jesus Christ died on the cross, for the forgiveness of your sins, rose bodily from the dead on the third day, has reconciled you to God in forgiveness of sins. If you have faith, you have been saved by God's grace through that faith. So if you are a person of faith, 
You are the seed of Abraham. You are a child of Abraham. And your inheritance, and he's talking here in Galatians, he's talking to a lot of legalistically minded people who were heavily influenced by Judaism. Many were Jewish converts and, and they wanted to maintain the law. And, uh, and Paul's saying, no, you can't maintain the law because the law, trying to maintain the law, that only leads to a curse. Because the law, it's not a bad thing. It's set up to let us know what God likes and what God doesn't like. But you can't follow the law. And following the law doesn't make you right with God. That's only through Jesus Christ that you become right with God. So now that you are a person of faith, don't try to follow the law. Don't try to obey the law. Because if you try to obey the law and you fail, you're, you're just under a curse. But Christ became a curse for us because he took all of our sin and all of our shame and everything in and of himself when, when he died on the cross on our behalf. So that through faith, we are now, as Gentiles, as non-Jews, we are now also children of Abraham. And because we are children of Abraham, we too get the promise. We get the promise that God has spoken to Abraham. What God said to Abraham there in Genesis chapter 12 is our inheritance too as people of faith, as children of Abraham. We are his descendants. So when God tells Abraham, I'm going to bless you and make your name great so that you can be a blessing and I want you to multiply, I'm going to multiply your descendants, God is saying to us, I am going to bless you and I'm going to make your name great and I'm going to multiply your descendants. Except for us, the descendants are not necessarily biological descendants. They are spiritual descendants. And so God, God, is, saying here, Paul is, God is saying here through Paul that the promise that God made to Abram is now a promise that God is making to us that our name will be great, that he will bless us, that he will multiply our descendants so that we can be a blessing. That's why Peter says in the passage we read last week that we are called to bless. That is our calling. God has blessed us with the revelation of who he is in Jesus Christ. He's blessed us with his grace. He's blessed us with faith. He's blessed us so that we can be a blessing. And what now enables us to bless is not the fact that we're simply living in the promise of blessing. What enables us to bless is not because we have power and authority in our own words. What enables us to bless is not because we get the right formula or the right ritual or the right ideas together. What enables us to bless, according to Paul, is that we all now have received the promised Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit who lives in us as believers, who lives in us as people of faith, who is our down payment, our deposit, our guarantee of all the promises that God has made beginning with Abraham and all of his people throughout all the centuries going into the future. That same Holy Spirit is now the one who lives inside of us, who empowers us to fulfill the Word of God that as He blesses us with all of these blessings, including the Holy Spirit, that now we are to go out and be a blessing. And so the power of blessing that works through us is none other than the power of God, the Holy Spirit, living inside of us 
sending us out into the world so that in us all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And this is your inheritance. This is who God has made you to be, whether you feel like it, whether you feel powerful, whether you feel blessed, whether you feel strong, uh, it doesn't really make any difference. Because if you are a Christian, a person of faith, you have been blessed to be a blessing. And that's our calling, empowered by the Holy Spirit to the glory of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this calling that works in our lives through Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father God, that you would send us out from this place, renewed with your Holy Spirit, so that we bless, that we are a blessing in our workplaces, in our homes, in our churches, on the streets, wherever we are. By your Spirit, bless us so that we can bless and bring glory and honor to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For we pray it all in his name. Amen.